Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help you ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's Ruined. Oh, hello, everybody. Welcome to Ruined. I'm Hallie. And I'm Allison. And I'm, I apologize for her voice. I sound like I woke up. From the grave, immediately before the recording, which is true, and I did do that. I mean, I assume that you sleep in a coffin. That um, you got, like, that kind of vibe. <laughs> this is—I'm not going to name this person. It is a famous— uh, I just heard a story last night that was, like, a famous Hollywood horrible person that is yet to be brought down. And someone's like, yeah, I heard this rumor about them that— you know, they were drunk at a party, and they fell asleep, but they had tied a balloon to it, uh, his penis. And when he fell asleep, it kept hitting him in the face. And everyone there was like, what are you talking—how would—gravity. <laughs> what do you mean he fell asleep? Like, like standing— Was he standing up, walking huh? around dead asleep? Like, and, and it was like the person had never thought, like, oh, yeah, that story doesn't make any physical sense. Like, the laws I mean, I of guess physics. I could see if he tied a, like, balloon with some helium in it. Or Walk whatever. us through this. Great. Here, yes. Here's my here's my uh, deep physics knowledge coming into play finally. Um, no, I don't know anything about science or math. Um, <laughs> but if he tied a balloon, if he was lying down and tied a balloon to his penis that di- that was like floating in the air mm-hmm. and over time was losing right. air and def- and like not deflating, but like you know when they like it's no longer up, it's like on the floor. Right. I could see it maybe being that. There we but go. But then that's I just a story about it. a balloon deflating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like sounds like you were at that pool party, Alice. Um, it was me. Yeah. Mm. Also, it was me the whole time. That's a great reveal. Yeah, <laughs> for every um, story. And before, in case we didn't mention it before, this is a podcast where we ruined horror movies. Yeah, I, I know that that might not be particularly clear from this opening. <laughs> um, but um, we we've been taking your questions, your comments, mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, which we really appreciate you emailing us at ruined at the radiopoint.com. We love it. And we had a wonderful email from Nicole, and I'm going to read it in its entirety. Wonderful. Nicole, hello, Hallie and Allison. I learned about your podcast this summer, and I devoured the back catalog in record time because I loved it so much. Stop. Thank you, Nicole, girl. Stop. I'm just like Allison in that I absolutely cannot watch scary movies, and I appreciate how much analysis and humor Hallie brings to the storytelling. That you just can't get from Wikipedia entry. And that's, that's why true. you listen to the podcast. That's why Absolutely. we're here. We're better Wikipedia. However, I do have one problem with the podcast. Your refusal mm. to recap movies that Allison has already seen. I understand the argument, but I think you're underestimating how much your podcast is a public service to the scaredy community. Yes. We need your help to know what these movies are about because we're never going to see them ourselves. Well, Nicole, we have some fantastic news about this Great week's news. episode. Great news. We are doing a movie, famously, that Allison has already seen. Yes, we are doing the original Scream. 
the one and only, the oft-requested. Oft-requested. We, we can't even name all the people that have asked for it because it's, I think, come in so many times. Every, I mean, this is an iconic movie. I will say, and I want to have this discussion as we go through it or get yes. into it, you know, this is a movie I've seen. I saw it when it came out. I think I've possibly seen it more than once because I, watching this, I was like, I remember loving this. See, there you go. And Which I is do- crazy. And of course, we're doing it because Screen 5 has just been released. I've already seen it, loved it. And it just felt like we had, like you said, Nicole, we had to do it to him. We had we, to. This is a public service. Yes. And I'm excited to hear your thoughts on it. And I'm also going to be honest, I'll say right up top, I don't remember any of the screen movies being particularly scary. So I feel like yeah. this is something that you had to, had to have already seen. I'm glad it's not that said like, oh, by the way, we're going to remake, we're going to make you watch Saw again or whatever. Like, which right. we might do at some point, but I, as of right now, mm. Scream is a great way to force Allison back into watching yes. a horror. It, it's fun. It's more fun than scary. It's fun. And like, I think like, t- and to me, like on a rewatch, it's been, I mean, it's been, this movie came out in 1996. I mean, it's been like 25 <laughs> years since I've seen it, which is absolutely a number I don't want to address. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, I was, I, I started watching it when it was still light out because I was like, I don't know what I want to do about this and I'm nervous. And then like, I ended up like needing to FaceTime my friend to like, you know, probably talk shit about somebody. And uh, <laughs> and, it, and then it ended up dark, but it was the night. So I ended up watching it at night and it was fine. I have to mm-hmm. say, before we even get into it to the scaredy cat community, if you're horror curious, I mm-hmm. feel like Scream, depending on your age and your references for the 90s, might be... An, an entry point. I, I am thinking, mm-hmm. like, because to me, like, this does, we talked about it on our, our group chat with producer Sabrina. It is a little closer to thriller than horror. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. it's bloody, but it's it is, like, mysteries. figuring out who murdered somebody. Exactly. Not necessarily, like, terrifying ghosts that fuck you in your sleep or, like, whatever <laughs> the hell some of the movies we've done are. Listen, it's 2022. I mean, that's Anything where we're goes. headed, aren't we? So, you know, I think we're going to we're going to figure out our way through this. Uh obviously, Hallie and I have both seen this movie. So, some of our fun questions and games uh I'm trying to alter a bit just so that we can actually have a discussion instead of me being like, "Hallie, guess the twist and scream." Oh, um, I love it. But uh oh, <laughs> I didn't even oh, ask, yes. did you watch the trailer? <laughs> just you've seen this movie. Um, but I um, wanted to, instead of having you like necessarily watch the trailer again, which I should have done before the podcast if we wanted to include it. Um like I have what, seen the what trailer. Was your, what was your viewing experience for this movie? When did you see it? What were you with friends? Was it sleepover? Was it theater? Like, what was the vibe? Because, like, I this believe, is a touch yes. before our heyday. This is 96. We're in middle school. Yeah. So kind I of an amazing time. I don't think I saw it in the theater, but, of course, I heard about it. I was excited to see it. I was thrilled at the idea of it. I love Drew Barrymore. I mean, I was excited. Ugh. I knew that she was in it. Um, I remember being vaguely disappointed that she doesn't make through the whole movie. Mm, but, spoiler alert. <laughs> but the opening is so iconic. And I believe I watched it at a sleepover with friends. The, the best, if you are, especially if you're a scaredy cat, the best mm-hmm. way to watch a horror movie. And absolutely loving it. I've seen this movie a million times. 
And just you watching, you know, we did think like, oh, what are some different ways we could do this? Mm-hmm. With like, oh, we've both seen it. And then two seconds pass and we're like, well, we're lazy. We're just going to switch I'm it. Just so gonna Allison's going to root it. Yeah. You know we, we weren't going to We got a go reverse ruined on our hands. I will say, something. William was scarier than this movie. <laughs> well, William, and this thing, Scream, one of the, part of the fun of it is like the kids are, from the very beginning, so meta. And so they yes. understand horror movies, which it makes them smart. William, everyone is reacting to horror movie situations. Is right. there, Yes, this is a normal thing that a normal person, even a scientist, would do, which is horrifying. Is yeah, if you haven't listened to William, it's the one non-horror movie that I ruined for Hallie, and it's a it's a trip. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I saw this at a sleepover as well. I remember it was like such a zeitgeisty movie. I remember a lot of like MTV Movie Award like sketch parodies of this, yes, and like references All parodies so much, and of course then. The scary movie, horror movie franchise. parody <laughs> franchise, which we also should do at some point. Yes, we I should. I mean, the the Wayans brothers making Hey While well, the Sun Shines, parodying everything, and that was absolutely of its time, too, of, of our heyday. Yes, truly our heyday. So, um, I'm not going to—we're not going to talk about the trailer, necessarily, because we've both seen the film. I can't ask you to guess the twist because you've seen it a bunch of times and you know exactly what's coming. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do want to ask you, Hallie, how scary do you find the concept of um, ignored trauma? Boy, I'll tell you, unfortunately, uh, as I get older and older, scarier and scarier. Yeah. I am somebody who, because I've been in therapy and because we talk about horror movies, Mm -hmm. I will analyze, like, I mean, I will hear, let's say, Donald Trump talk. And I'm like, boy, this is just trauma from your father. You know what I mean? Like, I have some of them, like, you can fix that. You could go to the therapy and talk about that. Like, you could deal with that, and people don't. And for a lot of no one very does. understandable human reasons. But yep. as we've learned from horror movies, you just can't ignore your trauma because it's going to come back a year later on the anniversary of your mother's murder and, and fuck yes. up your friends, you know? Yep. It's going to ruin the lives of a lot of teens and some administrative officials at your school. So um, big thumbs down when it comes to undealt un- un- with trauma. Um, so uh, the, the movie was written by Kevin Williamson, who's written other uh, classic 90s teen movies that we've seen. And it was directed iconically by Wes Craven, mm-hmm. um, 1996, the original Scream. There's so much going on, so I think we should get into it. It's time for me to now, I forget how you say this sentence. <laughs> I don't do it ever consistently. Whatever, whatever comes <laughs> yeah. out, I think, is the way I say it. Yeah. Now let's ruin. Scream. Woo! <laughs> good impression of you. Perfect. Uh, we open on the title card with the word scream and hear a landline ringing and a woman screaming, which, whew. Uh, cut to the phone in question is getting answered by a blonde-bobbed Drew Barrymore in a mm. white sweater, white jeans. I mean, an iconic look. Iconic. Like, no one's ever looked better than this moment. Tough to, I mean, tough to pull off an all-white outfit when you're about to get brutally killed. And this was the the mid-90s, the era of the bob. The the pin-straight bob. The Mm -hmm. blonde, especially a blonde one. A blonde one? Perfect. Anyway, she looks great. Killer, some would say. (laughs) Uh, We hear the voice on the other end of the phone. It's very monotone and, like, almost robotic and, you know, asking, who is this? And she's like, sounds like a wrong number. And she hangs up. The phone rings again. They call back. And the camera's panning around, and we're seeing she's in a big, beautiful, like, suburban farmhouse. Like, again, we're doing it with the architecture. It's a gorgeous <laughs> house, lots of glass doors um, on a big, beautiful lot, far away from everything else. 
Um, so he says he wants, when, he, when she answers again, he says he wants to talk. And she's like, they have 900 numbers for that, which <laughs> 90s perfection for comedy writing. Um, you know, while she's kind of like having her little evening in between these calls, she puts on like, I don't know what you call like the popcorn, the Jiffy Pop that comes in like a little like tin foil skillet. You know? In my mind, it's Jiffy Pop. Like, that's the brand I associate with I think that. that's the brand, but, like, what is that? Anyway, so she puts that on, and she puts, on a ga- and she puts it on a gas stove, which I think, like, nothing scarier than a gas stove mm-hmm. in a horror movie. Just the sound of it, the open flame. The guy calls back. She answers again like an idiot. It's like, this movie, I mean, could truly never happen today because <laughs> no- nobody answers the phone. <laughs> um, he says, you tell me your name, and I'll tell you mine. And it's, like, kind of flirty, and she's like, I'm about to watch a scary movie. And he asks, what's your favorite scary movie? And she pulls out a knife and she's kind of like fondling it. And she's like, Halloween, you know, the guy in the the guy in the white mask who walks around and stalks babysitters. So you got a boyfriend? <laughs> Why? You wanna ask me out on a date? Maybe. Do you have a boyfriend? Mm, no. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. Dun, dun, dun. I will say that is like one of the scariest moments Absolutely. in the entire film. It is mm-hmm. just, it's so scary. Like it is genuinely terrifying. Like just that moment of like horror. So she like looks out into this like gorgeous yard. There's no one there. Um, as she is about, she's like, okay, I'm going to go. And he's like, don't hang up on me. Um, getting a little angry, a little spooky. Um So the popcorn's burning. He calls back. She hangs up again. It's kind of this, like, back and forth. Um, He calls back, and she answers and says, listen, asshole. And he's like, no, you listen, you little bitch. You hang up on me again, and I'll cut you like a fish. Iconic. 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 So scary. Also, like, I did you babysit when you were younger? Oh, I mean, she's not babysitting, so I guess Mm -hmm. it's like, but, like, that just, She's babysitting herself. She's trying to keep herself alive. Yeah, because she's a teen. She's a high school student in this. I'm sure she was, like, 29 when she was playing it. Um... (laughs) But, uh, the way it yeah, should that, be. Yes, all adults playing teens. But, like, being home alone in a big house, like, that was scary. And we had, yeah. like, neighbors close by, but I was, I don't like it. Uh, after that threat, you know, he ref- he calls her Blondie. So, like, clearly he has seen her. Um, and she's, you know, kind of looking out the front window, and she's just like, what do you want? And he says, to see what your insides look like. Oh, no. Oh, no. And then the front doorbell rings. She's a mess. This is peak Barrymore just acting her goddamn heart out. She Ooh. is terrified as she should be. Um, and she starts saying, she's like, I have a boyfriend and he's big and he plays football and he's going to kick the shit out of you. And the voice on the other end says, his name wouldn't be Steve, would it? Turn on oh, the patio Steve. lights. Poor Steve. And she does. And her boyfriend, Steve, cute varsity football playing, jacket wearing Steve, is duct taped to a chair, messed up. He's bloody. He's clearly been beaten up a bit. And this is when we get into the person on the other line saying, do you want to play a game? She's like, what kind of game? She turns off the light. Steve is screaming. And I'm like, girl, don't turn off the light. He's out there alone, duct taped to a chair with somebody who's at the very least going to fuck him up more. Like, Exactly. Now is not the time to leave him alone. (laughs) Oh, Steve. Um, Oh, Steve. So the game, it's movie trivia. And if she gets it right, Steve lips. And he first asks, who's the killer in Halloween? And she gets it right, obviously. She's just been talking about how she loves that movie. He's like, well, this one was practice. And he says, name the killer in Friday the 13th. And she's like, Jason, Jason, it's Jason, it's Jason. And he's like, wrong. The original killer was Mrs. Voorhees. So, sorry, Steve's dead. 
And we don't see what happens. And I appreciate that they didn't show this, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. I don't know that they had the practical effects to make this as scary as it was because the lights are out. We hear just, like, kind of visceral, like, stabbing. Goopy. Goopy. Yeah, like a wet, goopy sound. Yeah. And uh, she uh, she turns the lights back on. And it's like, I remember being scared in this moment, but, like, seeing it today, I was like, this is not good. Um, but Steve <laughs> is still duct taped to this chair, uh, gutted like a fish, as promised. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, we know it's a dummy. <laughs> I think it's, like, kind of clear. Scaredy cats out there. I have to watch it again. Yeah. It, I mean, I remember it being horrifying when I saw it the first yes. time at a sleepover. But I was just um, thinking the only Steve I feel worse for is Steve in the, and just like that, Sex and the City reboot. Yes. I feel like that life, Steve is getting an even worse deal than Yeah, Scream he Steve. wishes he was duct taped to a chair gutted <laughs> by a manic killer running around a neighborhood. He is emotionally, and the manic yeah. killer is Che Diaz. <laughs> so we don't see, so we see the aftermath. We see Steve. Um, and the, the final question of the game that he's playing with her is, what door am I at? Which mm-hmm. is, we you know we know he's there. So she grabs a letter opener and kind of like crouches behind the like big like furniture TV. You know, remember when TVs weren't like thin pieces of glass? They were like large wooden things in your house. <laughs> and if it would ever break, it'd be like, well, it just lives well, here now. I don't yep, know how to get rid of this. Just put a new one on top of it. <laughs> um, she grabs this letter opener and she's like, you know, by the TV and she's like crouched down near these big uh, glass doors. And suddenly, like someone throws a chair. Through like a like a patio chair through the glass door that she's crouched next to, and she like sprints for the kitchen, which is now full of smoke because the Jiffy Pop uh, is clearly burning because she's been playing this game for a few minutes, watching her boyfriend die. Um, and she grabs like a big kitchen knife, and she sees someone in like kind of an all black drapey mm-hmm. um, kind of cape, um, you know, run through the house, and she slips out the back and hides. And she peeks in, and she sees he's still in the house kind of running around looking for her. The kitchen is, like, basically on fire at this point. And she's outside, and she's got this knife, and she's kind of, like, in a little corner, and she sees a car driving up their long road driveway to her house. Like, this is why I—look, live in the country if you want, but, like, mm-hmm. you're setting yourself up for some long wait times for people to save you. Yeah. So she sees a car driving up— um, and she wants to run for it, but she peeks in the window one last time and is face-to-face with the killer in the iconic black-and-white kind of long-drawn screaming mask. And he punches right through the window, um, and she makes a run for it. And she keeps pausing. Like, she's, like, running, and then she turns around and just, like, stands still looking around. You can't like, do it. You gotta keep you going. Can't. Even you if she just runs straight into the woods, you have better luck being able to hide right. or— Find something to fight. Like, it's like you cannot stop and be like, oh, maybe they've stopped. No. You're like, what's over there? for you. No. Exactly. Like, put as much distance between you and this psycho as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's like, you know, as she's running, she pauses, and uh, she's right next to a window for the house, and the killer just, like, plows through the window and, like, jumps and lands on top of her, like, as this car is, like, I don't know. We don't know distances. We don't know ages. We don't know time frames. A hundred meters away? I don't know. Far enough away. That sounds right. But, like, close enough that, like, it feels like there's, like, hope yeah. to, like, get saved. Um, the killer bursts through the window, grabs her as she's running um, towards the car, and he just stabs her right in the chest through that oatmeal sweater. Just blood, like, that dark red oh. blood on you know, head-to-toe monotone, Drew Barrymore with her blonde and her white and her, like, perfect skin. And then he stabs her 
straight through the neck, like, like instead of slashing, just like stabs her through the neck, which is a super violent, terrible moment. Like, I, much bloodier than I was like ready for. Uh, but she kicks him. She kicks him in the nuts, and he kind of like falls off her. And I'm like, how is she fine? Like, you know, she's still functioning after stab through the neck. He gets hit in the nuts. He's like, I'm down. Like, that's, yeah. Um, but at her parents were the car, and they're walking up you know, the front porch to the front door of the house. And she's kind of on the side of the house. And she tries to, like, signal to them, and she tries to scream to them, but he has slit her voice box. Like, there is that she cannot make a sound. Oh, Lord. Um, and then, you know, her parents, like, go in the house, and the killer catches up to her um, and, like, gets her on the ground again. And as he's about to finally, you know, stab her one final time, she removes the mask. So we know that she has seen who this is. Mm-hmm. He stabs her one more time. She's dead. Meanwhile, her parents are in the house. They're walking around. The kitchen's on fire. All the windows are broken. There's, like, patio furniture in Which, the living room. Now that I'm old enough to, like, have a child Ugh. in my life, like, I mean, this is already a horrifying opening, but, like, when the parents get there is so sad and horrifying to me. Like, it's it, this, devastating. This part to the end of the, se- end of the sequence is, I'm just like, oh, it just hits so much different, you know? It's chilling. The older it's we get. really upset. Yeah, being an adult and, like, understanding this a bit more now, I'm like, not that I couldn't understand the concept of, like, de- but, like, the horror of, like, seeing everything and then having to be like, you know that nothing yeah. has happened. Yeah. So they're, you know, they're, they're just like, it's their worst nightmare. Her parents are trying to call, you know, out to her, but she still has the portable phone, like the cordless phone with her. That's like where we were at the time. She had a cordless phone and it's still on. So they pick up the phone to call 911 and they can hear her like death rattle, like breathing and like trying to die. And they hear her, I think the final stabs. Um, so the mom heads outside to be like, she like tells, she's like, I'm driving to the neighbors, like we have to do this. Her dad's like, okay, I'm going to say, like, they're trying to make a plan. And as they're, like, trying to enact this plan and go to the car, they look out into their yard to the big tree that hangs over the driveway, and they see her bloody body hanging, totally covered in blood from the, front, from the front yard tree. And that's our cold open for this film. I mean, it is, I think it's the best sequence of any film opening for, like, what I, the film absolutely. is about. There's a reason this movie is iconic, and the opening is absolutely part of it. I remember that to me is the image that jumped out from this movie. It's like when you see her body like disemboweled, basically hanging from the tree. It's so scary and so awful. And also, I was like, "Well, now we're not going to get where Drew Barrymore was." Just just disappointing. It is a bummer that that's all she. I mean, like she has the best scene in the film, but it's yeah. a short scene, and you know you're not going to see her again. It's a serve Cut to from Drew, our girl. Nev Campbell, mm. the one and only Sydney Prescott. She's up in her bedroom in pajamas that are, like, absolutely for an old woman. Um, and she's on her computer. And this was what computers, like, or at least hers was still, like, black background green text. That was all a computer. So wild. It made me so feel wild. really fucking old. Um, it's, it's still night. It's probably the same night. She's, like, typing away, doing something. And she hears a noise outside of her bedroom window. And she kind of looks out and she screams when her boyfriend, Billy... Skeet Ulrich in his, like, 90s hair uh, sneaks in her window. Her dad comes to the bedroom door, but she kind of, like, you know, locks it, and he kind of hides under the bed so that her dad doesn't know that Billy's there. And he's like, all right, well, I'm going to the expo this weekend, and I'm staring at, staying at the airport Hilton. And it's like, okay, <laughs> she's, one, what expo? Um, yeah. Like, okay. Two, Sydney's going to be alone all weekend um, in the house. Um. 
so then her dad kind of walks away, and we're back to just Sydney and Billy in her room, and he's instantly in like like movie boyfriend mode, like. You know, he's 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 like they started off two years ago, hot and heavy, headed for an R rating. This is all him like talking to her like a psychopath because <laughs> like no one talks like this. Um, but things have changed, uh, and now they seem kind of edited for television. So he's just like a teen guy who's like, I want to fuck my girlfriend, like I want to have sex, and is like kind of pressuring her a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, I thought we could do a little on top of the clothes stuff uh, because she has an underwear rule. And I'm like, these are teens. I mean, I know they're played by, like, full-on adults, but, like, right. it is weird to watch them negotiate this. Um, yeah. They start making out, and her his hand runs up her thigh. It's very hot, but then she, like, pushes it down, and she's like, no, no, no. Um, so this whole relationship is scored uh, by a twangy acoustic cover of Blue Oyster Cult's Don't Fear the Reaper. Hell which is, yeah. The the soundtrack and scoring to this movie is art in and of itself. It's its own perfect thing. Um, as he's climbing out the window, he's like, all right, fine, I guess we're not going to fuck tonight. Um, she's like, would you settle for a PG-13 relationship? And, like, flashes him from her, like, old lady nightgown. And it's like, <laughs> all right, that's something, I guess. Uh, but the next day, we're at Woodsboro High School, um, and the place is a zoo. News vans, police tape, barricades, like the whole nine. Um, again, the most iconic score in, I think, all of horror history. Um, and Sydney's walking through all the mayhem, and we kind of, like, are fa- we're, we're seeing, like, pops of little newscasters and local news vans and people talking about what's happened. And we land and stay on a neon yellow miniskirt suit wearing Gail Weathers, a.k.a. Courtney Cox, reporting on her on camera for her show Top Story, which I guess is like a Dateline 48 Hours mm-hmm. kind of like, it's like a trashy news magazine. Um, so we meet Tatum, Rose McGowan, uh, Sydney's best friend, and she's just decked out and like head to toe, like the 90s. It's, it's it. just like, so she's like Adelia's catalog come to life throughout this whole film. And you know what? It works. Um, so she's explaining, she's like, she's like, you haven't heard? Like, Casey Becker and Steve were were killed last night. They were brutally murdered, and, like, the whole school's being interrogated. And they're saying it's, like, the worst crime they've seen in years. Even worse than, and then she pauses, and she's like, well, it's bad. And it's like, well, what's it worse than? And it's, like, clearly mm-hmm. it's something Sydney has some trauma around. So in class, and Sydney, the teacher calls Sydney, she's like, it's your turn, like, to go be questioned by the police. Like, they're going to question just, like, every student one by one. It just feels <laughs> ineffective, which very, mm-hmm. very police, uh, if you ask me. Um, the prince—I do you think—I thought this when I was watching the movie. The principal, Hembry, is played by Henry Winkler. Mm-hmm. I think it's the first time that he was in, like, this kind of role for, like, our generation's stuff. Like, playing yes. an adult. Like, yeah, this I to have, me was, like, the forever, it was, like, crazy that, like, Henry Winkler was in this movie. Absolutely. And which also makes us refer back to The Faculty, which we just did. A great mm-hmm. example of a Kevin Williams hidden movie where it's, like, also, Henry Winkler was here. And you're, like, all right, I guess guess he, that's what we're doing with him now. Right. That's but fun. it was also it was kind of, a, fun, yeah. a fun cameo. Yeah. And he's and he's obviously, like, great in this. But I remember being, like, who's that? And I remember my mom being, like, <laughs> oh, he's, like— an icon. <laughs> the Fonz. Um, probably awesome. the beginning of his, like, drift into the great comedy roles he's been known for in the present. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's talking to the police officers. He's like, next is Sydney Prescott, daughter of, uh, right when she walks in. And Deputy, Deputy Riley, a.k.a. Dewey, a.k.a. David mm-hmm. Arquette, which I had a crush on him in this, at this he's point. He's so cute. 
He's, he's so cute, cute in the Scream 5. I mean, he looks great yeah. in all oh, of these good. movies. Oh, good for yeah. him. And this is where he and Courtney Cox met, met. I believe. Yeah, And started absolutely. their romantic relationship. Yeah. So Dewey and Sheriff Burke are questioning her, but they're like, we're just going to keep it brief, and we don't really see what they ask her, but we know they don't want to, like, make her feel worse about whatever she's dealing with. Um, so there's an announcement over the loudspeaker as the kids are all, like, hanging out outside around a fountain. And you're like, okay, we get it. You had a nice school. <laughs> um, but we see the, our, main, our main crew, which is Billy, uh, Sydney's boyfriend, Sydney, Tatum, her boyfriend, Stuart, played by Matthew Lillard. I pitch perfectly, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and Randy, played by Jamie Kennedy. So it's, like, this, like, classic teen group. It's, like, two couples on a fifth wheel. Just, like, a perfect, like... <laughs> Just a per- I love it. It just made me feel very comfortable and home. Um, mm-hmm. They're talking about the murder, and it's this whole, like, well, a guy definitely did it because, like, they were hollowed out and gutted, and, like, a woman couldn't do that. And Tatum's like, well, in Basic Instinct, the killer is a female. And it's like, oh, so we're all horror movie experts. Like, mm-hmm. they're just, this whole movie is everybody referencing other, which I'm like, I haven't seen most of these, so <laughs> I don't have. Have you seen Basic of- Instinct? That's a good question. I have seen Basic Instinct. Which is a thriller, again. I would say Yeah, I get like like, thrillers into horror. Not. I think that Scream really tiptoes the line between thrillers and horror. Yeah. Yeah. People describe it as Uh, giallo, like an American giallo, which is, we haven't really done any giallos, but are, you know, sort of a 70s, basically a gory murder mystery. Like more of a thriller, more of a murder mystery, but with fantastically gory moments. And that to me feels right. Like it's, it's more of a... Who and why done it, you know? Yes, yes. Which I like a mystery because I like finding out what's happening. I'm nosy, is I think. <laughs> <laughs> I like gossip, and thrillers are just kind of like gossip. Um, so they're talking about these murders, and it's just like, in the way that like teens like don't have it, like they're definitely like a little horrified, but like their their concept of like life and death is already not mm-hmm. quite the same as like what an adult really can feel. So they're like kind of like joking about like, the murders, and Sydney's like, how do you gut someone? And then Stu starts, like, detailing exactly how you gut a human. And Billy oh, Billy Stu. says, and the, the writing for the teens is incredible. It's just, it is how I feel like people started talking after this movie or yes. were talking when it shot, because he got, like, he wants, he's trying to stop him from, like, going into the details. He's, hey, it's called tact, you fuck rag. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> I love that. I think that's great. Um... But then they start saying, like, well, Stu dated Casey before she dated Steve. Like, maybe he's the killer. And, like, they, they're all, it's kind of this, like, anybody is a suspect at this point, which we know from the school, and we also know just, like, from the way they're talking about it. And we know teens. They all are up in each other's business. Uh, so, so everybody has to go home. The announcement over the speaker was, like, go directly home. Like, there is a curfew in town tonight. Like, we can't have you out and around. So Sydney which gets home. Which is responsible. And it's, yes, very responsible. But, like, so it's, like, they're, like, go directly home. Sydney is home in her her giant house in the middle mm-hmm. of nowhere because that's where everybody lives. And I'm, like, how long does it take all of you to get everywhere in this movie? <laughs> but her dad is away and her mom, we know, isn't around. Uh, but she's on the phone with Tatum and she's, like, can I stay over? Like, I just don't want to be home by myself during all of this. And she's, like, yeah, obviously. And she's, like, the police, everything. It's just, like, deja vu. Um, so Sydney kind of, like, packs a bag, and she's kind of, like, going through the house. And it's super spooky, even though it's broad daylight. Like, you can just feel that she's alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and she kind of, like, opens doors to closets, and she's getting stuff down. Um, 
and she's watching TV, and there's it's nonstop coverage of these brutal murders that have happened. And she stops on Courtney Cox, Gail Weathers' uh, news show, who says on camera, she's like, this isn't the first town, time this town has seen tragedy. Sydney's mother, Marie Prescott, was raped and murdered only a year ago. And Sydney just, like, turns it off. So we know that Sydney's mother was murdered a year ago. So she awesome. turns it off, and she's kind of walking around the house. Um, and she hears some noises, but, like, nothing really too scary. And she's like, it's an old creaky farmhouse. I'm by myself. I'm probably, like, all keyed up. So she just, mm-hmm. like, lays down. And Tatum's like, I'll come over at 7. And so Sydney lies down on the couch. And, like, the sun sets. And now it's, like, 7.15. It's dark out. She's fallen asleep and kind of wakes up to the phone ringing. And it's Tatum being like, sorry, I'm late. I'm stopping at the video store. I'm going to get all the right moves with Tom Cruise. You know, if you pause it just right, you can see his penis. And, like, <laughs> I love teen girls. A They're good so funny. friend. A good friend knows that you need to see some Tom Cruise dick to get over this, <laughs> the memories of your dead mother and our dead classmates. He can't um, hurt, you know. So she, so Tatum hangs up and it's like, all right, Tatum's on her way over. She's going to go. But then the phone rings again and it's not Tatum. It's the same voice we heard when uh, Drew Barrymore answered the phone. And the voice says, hello, Sydney. And it's scary. I mean, it's scary. Um, and the voice says, it's a scary night, kind of a horror movie night. And Sydney's like, all right, Randy, you and your movie obsession, just like cool it. It's not a horror movie. And the voice says, do you like scary movies, Sydney? What's your favorite scary movie? She says, they're all the same. Some stupid killer uh, stalks some big-breasted girl who is always running up the stairs when she should be running out the front door. A ruined lesson if I've ever heard one. Mm -hmm. We are always saying this. Don't go upstairs, go outside. Especially if you have big breasts. Don't do it. Yeah, right. Uh, What are you, wearing a sports bra to get murdered? (laughs) No, get outside. Um, But she's, and then the the person on the errand's like, this isn't Randy. Uh, And the question isn't, who am I? But where am I? And then he says he's on the front porch. And she goes out there. There's no, you know, she opens the door and goes out to the front porch and just starts walking around this giant porch. Um, And she's like, where are you? And he's like, right here. And she walks around. She's like, I can't see you. You're not fucking here. This is some prank. Like, get the fuck out of my face. Um, And she's like, I'm going to hang up. Like, this is dumb. She's She's like, can you see me now? And starts, like, picking her nose, being like, what am I doing? Can you see this? And she's like, I'm hanging up. And he's like, if you hang up on me, you'll die just like your mother. Do you want to die, Sydney? Your mother sure didn't. She's like, fuck you, and runs back inside and, like, locks the door behind her. Um, But the door has been open this whole time she's been standing out on the porch. So, like, obviously Mm -hmm. there was plenty of time for someone to get inside. (laughs) Um, So when she opens the door to the closet that she had been getting stuff down from earlier— the killer is right behind there, and he, like, jumps out and, like, tries to catch her in a fight. There's this whole fight. She runs up the stairs instead of out the front door, mm-hmm. just like the girl she was talking about. And it's like, what? You just said this. <laughs> um, but she escaped. She gets into her bedroom and, like, escapes getting stabbed and, like, tries to— and, like, kind of locks him out while she's in her bedroom um, and tries to call 911, but it's, like, busy or the line has been cut. I don't know what sounds mean anything for a landline anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she, her computer, she can like text 911 from her computer. I remember even at the time being like, what? Yeah. What? How? Like now, Ooh, sure. Would you? I guess. Yeah. I don't know if I would know how to do that from my computer today. I hope to never know. So she's like texting from her computer and suddenly the killer disappears from the door frame. And then all of a sudden at the window, Billy shows up and he would like, and she's like, what the fuck? And he's like, I heard screaming. And he climbs in and he kind of hugs her. And as he's hugging her, a mobile phone, which is what they call them in this movie. So a mobile phone drops out of his pocket and she sees it and just assumes like 
this was you. Like, you were on the phone. Yeah. You've been here the whole time. How could it not be you? Um, she, like, runs downstairs and, like, opens the front door. And the mask is there. Just kidding. It's Dewey holding the mask. <laughs> and it's like, bro, you're a police officer. Like, you yeah. got to know that that's, like, not how you come inside. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so they arrest Billy and he, they, they take him away in a car. Tatum pulls up in her, like, little classic VW bug, like, before they did the remakes. Just the cutest car. So cute. And so Tatum explains, like, you know, Sydney's staying with them. And then Dewey says, uh, does mom know? And it's like, oh, they're brother and sister. That's such a fun little element of this. Um, also, it's like, Dewey, you're an adult man. Like, right. where, where's your house? Why do you yeah, live Yeah, he says at some at point home? that he's 25. And it's like, why are you, you have a job. You're living at home? Also, like, Whatever. get a roommate. Move out. You mean, like, there's other situations besides also, yeah, you have a, what I imagine is a good, well-paid job for a small town. Yeah, there aren't many jobs in this town, from what I could tell. So he's got one. <laughs> Move out. But he, they all live, like Tatum and Dewey and their parents live in one house. Sydney is staying there tonight. And, like, especially now, this is good. Gail Weathers, obviously, chasing stories, pulls up, uh, and she's, like, looking for information. And she tells her cameraman, Kenny— Move your fat tub of lard ass now. And the running stuff about, like, Kenny being overweight and that being a terrible thing throughout this movie uh, <laughs> did not age well. Yeah. Um, so we're down at the station. Uh, Dewey uh, was like, hey, we're looking for your dad, but he's not at the hotel you said. Like, do you think he could be somewhere else? And she's kind of like, no, he said the airport Hilton. He's at the expo. Um but in another room, Sheriff Burke is questioning Billy, and his and his father is there, and he's like, and the sheriff says, "What are you doing with a cellular telephone, son?" Uh, he's like, "Everyone's got one, sheriff." And it's like, not everybody did in 1996, and it's so weird to not just call them phones, but these are different kinds of phones. So that you know, the sheriff is like, "Well, you were at Sydney's. Where were you two nights ago? Like, were you at, you know, Casey Becker's house? Like." And they're holding him overnight until they can pull all these phone records to prove that the cell phone he has is not the one that made any of these calls. So Gail and Kenny pull up to the police office, uh, to the Woodsboro police station. They're like, we're going to figure this out. But inside, Dewey's like, I'm going to get you girls, Tatum and Sydney, home. But let's go out the back way because, like, it's a media circus out there. Um, so they take him out the back. Um, and Gail catches them out of the corner of her eye and she runs up. And she's like, I want to interview you, Sydney. And Sydney's like, sure, fine. Sydney asks, so how is the book? And Gail says, it'll be out later this year. I'll send you a copy. And then Sydney oh. just clocks her in the face hard. <laughs> it's a punch. And it's just fun. Like, it's like we have so much, like, horrifying violence that it's fun to just see, like, a petty— I mean, it's not petty, but just, like, a real fight where I'm like, I understand why she's mad at her. <laughs> like, yeah. I also feel like like it, that is something you just don't see in movies anymore. Is somebody punching or slapping somebody in the face? Yes, and I'm not saying I miss it. It's just to me the '90s movie is somebody getting punched in the face. Yeah, it happens so much, and it's like it just makes for a good scene, and also it tells us every. It's like mm -hmm. Gail's book is clearly a problem. It clearly has to do with Sydney's mother's murder. They have beef. This like it just says everything in one you know ele elegant scene. <laughs> So we're at Tatum's house. Uh, they're having kind of like sleepover vibes, um, except everybody's getting murdered. Uh, Tatum is wearing the cloud pajamas from Delia's that I remember yes. begging my mother for, Iconic. and I finally got. And I know they were like expensive for what they were, especially, I think they were like 40 bucks for fucking flannel PJs for a teen. And I just remember <laughs> thinking they were the coolest thing I've ever owned. 
Um, but they're just kind of like hanging out in her bedroom. Dewey's kind of around being like, hey, what are you guys doing? But the phone rings and Tatum's mom comes in. She's like, oh, Sydney, it's for you. And she goes in, into the hall and answers the, the landline. And it's the same like modulated voice. And says, poor Billy boyfriend. She fingered the wrong guy. Uh, Dewey comes out with his gun, which is very funny. Like, it's a, <laughs> clearly a phone call. But the killer, obviously, like, Billy's being held overnight. Sydney's at Tatum's. She gets this call from the killer. Hallie, I've got to ask, what would you do? What would you do? I feel like um, S- Sydney, throughout the franchise, is so composed. If it was me, you can't find my father. So he's called. I would just be sobbing. I would be hysterical. I would, yes. you know, I wouldn't leave. I'd be like, I'm not going to school. I'm just going to stay in your house or the PlayStation. Like, yeah. she conducts herself with such elegance and decorum. I would be, <laughs> I, I would be sobbing, vomiting, falling down the stairs. Like, I would be inconsolable. And I also, I of course would do what it happens in the movie. I would absolutely immediately be like, oh my god. I falsely accuse somebody, which we, as we understand more about a crime, you know, mm-hmm. does happen more often than we think. Yes. So I'd be like, oh my God, I, I would do the exact same thing she did. She, everything she, to me is like, she is doing the best she possibly can with the information she had. And unfortunately, yeah. she's being, it is, at least at this point in the film, seems like she has made a mistake. Yes. For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in. Like, you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. Ready for an amazing deal? BreezeLine's fiber-powered internet starting at $19.99 per month offers the reliability you deserve and security you can trust. Whether you're streaming, gaming, or working from home, we've got all your needs covered with speeds up to 1 gig and our two-year price lock guarantee. This deal gets even better with two free months of internet, free equipment, and free Wi-Fi your way to protect against cyber threats. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires July 8th, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. So it's the next day. They're in her parents' kitchen. Sydney and Tatum are watching the news. And there's a story happening that says Cotton Weary, um, who was imprisoned for raping and killing Sydney's mother a year ago, uh, is waiting for an appeal to avoid the death sentence. Sydney was a key witness and is, is a big part of why he ended up getting convicted. Uh, Dewey comes in the kitchen. He's like, hey, Billy's cell phone reports were clean. Like, he didn't place those calls. So they're letting him go, and it wasn't him. And it's like, well, they also think it wasn't him because, like, the killer called while he was in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sidney and Tatum go to school. Tatum's wearing a silver crop top football jersey with just the number nine on it. It is like a—I f- I just— I wish perfect. I worked in costumes on this. It's yeah, so good. perfect. Um, but Sydney sees Gail Weathers again, who's just, like, there looking for stories um, and confronts her. And we learn that Gail is writing a book about her mother's murder. And Gail thinks that Cotton Weary, who is on death row, is innocent and that somebody framed him. Apparently, he had had sex with her, uh, but he didn't murder her. And someone who, wore, like, you know, Sydney's like, I saw his coat. I saw, and she's like, you saw somebody wearing his coat. And then Rose McGowan, Tatum says, Nice welt, sweetie. 
Briscoe said. The killer's still on the loose, isn't he? Come on, Sid. Those murders are related. Sorry I mangled your face. Wait, Sydney, don't go. They leave. Gail freaks out to Kenny, the cameraman. She's like, I think that Cotton, like, because, like, Sydney starts to doubt herself in this, yes. like, confrontation for the and first time. And also just had she, this other situation where she thinks yes. she has also falsely accused her boyfriend. So yes, it's like, the oh, my God, what if I did that last year? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So she's now kind of like, uh-oh, and, like, Gail, like, could sniff that out because she's a great journalist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she's, like, freaking out to Kenny. She's like, an innocent man is on death row. The killer's still out there. Like, this is a career maker. This is, like, everything. I have to break this. Mm-hmm. So students are all, like, hanging out in the halls. Like, some student runs down the hall in the killer costume, which Dewey has said is available at every Halloween store ever. Like, they're never going to track— they're never going to find this person by tracking the purchase of the costume. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, somebody runs down the hall. Like, you know, most people are laughing, but Sydney's like, this isn't funny. Like, she's pretty shaken. Like, this just happened. Um, She's in the hallway. She's going to class. She runs into Billy, which is kind of— he's— like, Skeet Ulrich's whole mm-hmm. look is very yes. scary in this movie. It's a He's lot a of just, vibe. like, a T-shirt, kind of long hair in front of his face, you know. He's already, like, kind of scary in a sexy way. hmm Right? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, but Billy, he's like— He's like, hey, I just, you know, she, she kind of apologizes. She's like, no, I know it wasn't you. Like, I, I understand that. And, you know, he brings up the physical elements of their relationship again. He's like, you never even touch me, uh, you know, since your mom died. And she's like, well, my mom's murder was a year ago tomorrow. And Billy's like, yeah, but you've got to, like, get over it. I mean, when my mom left my dad, and it's like, um, her mother was, like, raped and murdered. Brutally <laughs> murdered. left. Yeah. yeah. Brutally murdered and raped. Your mom divorced your dad. Like, but yeah. he's saying, like, I got over that. I want to have sex. Like, why can't you get over your mother's brutal killing uh, so we can have sex? And also, uh, as we learn in the film, he seems very much not over it. So, in no, fact, no, he, he is, is not. Yeah. He is probably more hung up on it than she is on her mother's murder. Absolutely. Uh, so Principal Hambray brings the students who were wearing the masks and running through school into his office and starts, like, threatening them with, like, huge office shears. Uh, and <laughs> he's like, he's like, you're both expelled. Like, get, the, get out of here. And they're like, that's not fair. And he's like, fair would be to gut you and slit you limb to limb. And it's like, okay, everyone uses extremely violent language <laughs> in this movie. And it's like, again, like, the great, you know, writing and directing to show, like, who, it could be anybody in this town that's doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, Sydney's in the bathroom, already a scary place as a teen girl in a high, in a public high school. <laughs> like, it's a, scary shit's always happening in there, even when there's not someone uh, brutally killing you and all of your classmates. But she hears, you know, she's in a stall and she hears two girls, like, talking shit about her. And they're like, maybe she made it up. Like, you know, they're talking and they're like, um, they keep saying her mom was like a slut. Um, and that like, they're like, maybe like, she had a thing for Steve, like that maybe Sydney had a thing for Steve and, you know, her mom was exactly the same way and, you know, maybe Sydney snapped and, you know, now she's murdering people. And it's just like, come on, guys. Yes, the one, yes, the one stereotype, or like the one cliche about sluts is, of course, that they are serial killers. So it, it makes sense. Yes. Everyone knows up. sluts are serial killers. <laughs> but like, and also just like, even if, even if whatever is happening now, like this girl still has been through like awful trauma. Like, just leave her alone. Why are you? Whatever. So they leave, and Sydney's alone in the bathroom, and she's kind of looking in the mirror, regrouping. Uh, But she hears something 
But she looks under all the stalls and, like, there's nobody in any of them from what you can tell. She can't see anybody's feet. Um, but we hear a faint whisper, Sydney, from one oh, of no. the stalls, which is so scary. I, this scene also, I remember it scaring <laughs> me a lot. But she calls out and kind of nobody responds. She gets on the ground and, like, looks to see if anyone is under her stall. And then in the very last one, we see two black leather men's boots step down from the toilet onto the ground. And then that, you know, kind of like uh, that rough-edged cape for the costume drops down as well. Uh, And he jumps out and attacks her. But she escapes and kind of ducks and, like, runs out um, of the bathroom and, like, runs down the hall. And it's like, okay, the killer, that's not some idiot who's Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to buy the costume and, like, make it a joke and run around the halls. Like, this person, like, whoever that was, was the killer. Yeah. Um, so the cops all arrive at school. Gail runs after Dewey, and she's like, and <laughs> she's like, I should be in New York covering the Sharon Stone stalker, but who knew? <laughs> Which I love that. I'm like, I'm like, what news story is that? Like, I would love a whole movie about that. Yeah. But she keeps flirting with him, and like, she's trying to get info, but she's also just like being flirty. And he's like, I'm 25. And then she says, Well, you don't look a day over 12, except for that torso area. And I'm like, I don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> I, yeah, Gail, Gail, you're an incredible journalist. Not much, not so good in the flirting department. It's like you're you're overplaying your hand. You don't have to just go this far. Yeah, exactly. So we find out there's a city. The principal gets. He's like everybody's going home. There's a citywide curfew at nine, and it's like nine is too late. Like yeah, it's dark hours before nine. Like what are we doing? So everybody's like heading home. Um, and Gail finds Dewey and kind of gets some information that, like, they can't find Sydney's father. So he's, like, on the list of, like, possible suspects here. So as they're all walking home, Stu finds Tatum and Sydney, and he's like, school's canceled tomorrow. We're having a party tonight. Just a little intimate gathering, intimate friends, like a very 90s Matthew Lillard, just kind mm-hmm. of, like, doing, like, party guy vibes. But everybody's going home. The school is empty, but Principal Hembry is in his office, and he's got the mask, and he just kind of, like, looks in the mirror trying it on for fun. And he hears a knock at the door, but he looks out and there's nobody there. He goes back in his office and then there's another knock and he comes out into like the next kind of concentric office around his private one and there's nobody in any of that and he's just kind of walking around. And he thinks there's just like kids messing with him because that's been happening all day and he kind of opens the door into the hallway um, and screams, you little shits. And we see the janitor (laughs) in a striped sweater and a fedora and he says, what'd you call me? And Hibri says, not you, Fred. Uh, and it's played by Wes Craven. The role is supposed to be like a Freddy Krueger reference, which I'm just like, that's fun. Like, that's just, that, to me, like, that, I prefer that over, like, horror comedy. Like, I guess that is, like, a funny, mo- but, like, Join us, style. Allison. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but Hibri goes back in his office, clearly uh, the only one still left at school besides Fred. He's looking at his cl- this big armoire. He has, like, a big armoire in the middle of his, like, principal's office. Like, like you do. Like you do. Um, but he looks inside, and it's like, okay, well, there's nobody in there because it's a closet. Or, like, whatever it is. And he closes it, um, and he steps back out, and he looks in the hallway. He's like, all right, there's no one here. Like, obviously, I'm just keyed up. And then as he goes to close his office door, from behind his office door, which had been open, jumps, you know, the killer in, in the costume, in the mask, uh, and just stabs him to death. So that's a feature wrap on Henry Winkler. But what a great, fun role for him. Yeah. 
So Sydney and Tatum are kind of on her porch. They're talking about the past. We're getting a little bit more information. And like Sydney's talking about this rumor that Cotton, there was a rumor going around, I guess, when she was murdered or shortly before that Cotton uh, and her mother were having an affair, but like no one could ever prove it. And Tatum's like, well, you can't prove a rumor. And Sydney asks if she believe it. And Tatum is like, you only hear that Richard Gere story so many times before you <laughs> believe it must be true, which is like such a funny one to use. And, and also- do you rem- do you remember the rumor? I do remember the rumor. Do you remember the rumor? I do. I think. What was it? Was it that Richard Gere put a gerbil up his butt? Yes. What a what a time to be alive in the nineties. That that I mean, was something that people thought is. We possible. lived through the best decade, which was I have I think we could all agree on that, based solely on the rumor only about on Richard the Gere. celebrity gossip and uh, <laughs> rumors. But Sydney says, if I was wrong about cotton, that means the killer is still out there. And then Tatum says, you sound like some Wes Carpenter flick or something. That's like, mm-hmm. Um, but they're chatting and they go inside and we kind of pan over to the woods and we see the killer has been kind of like sitting in the woods near them, watching, listening, and then just kind of like dashing around. I will say that like the movements that the killer makes in the costume are funny to me. Like they don't, <laughs> the costume is, a, it's just like, it is a little janky. Like it's a shitty like Halloween store costume. So like, but it's, like, it it's a little cartoony. Yes, absolutely. And also to make it be like, in reality, if that person showed up, they would just walk up to you and stab you in the chest. But in order to give these teens a little chance to maybe survive, you have mm-hmm. to make, um, and we have not used this word yet, but what is known in the franchise, ghost face. Yes. You have to make him a little Looney Tunes and have him be falling down a little bit or tripping over chairs. And getting Because you nuts. need that moment where you believe that maybe they escaped. So as a result, you're absolutely right. He is he's very Bugs Bunny. Yeah, it is a very uh, Looney, yeah, Bugs Bunny vibe. So we're checking in at the video store where Randy works and Stu is there kind of bothering him. And it's like mobbed because everybody is renting movies because they're going to be stuck in their homes. And it's like, what's that like? <laughs> But Randy says, like, everybody is, like, swamped in the horror section. Like, everybody's getting scary movies out. And Billy is there, and he's in the horror section. He's, like, flirting with these girls. And Randy thinks Billy did it. He's like, it's classic horror movie stuff. It's always the boyfriend. Uh, But, you know, Randy's like, there's a formula. There's a very simple formula. Everybody's a suspect. And, like, the whole video store kind of is quiet. And they're just like, hey. But Randy's like, you know, Randy says it's Billy. He turns around like, Billy's right there. And he's like, well, what would my motive be? And he says, it's the millennium. Motives are incidental, which is a very <laughs> scary concept of, like, just random killing and, and the millennium. is true. I mean, at least for serial killers, like, you can try to understand it, but at the end of the day, they're like, I love to stab. You know, yeah. I, I, you, you can't, Blood there's not lust. much belief that, you know? Uh, so we see kind of a montage of Woodsboro uh, managing this curfew, and it's just, like, stores closing. There's, like, a woman and her kid are having a picnic, and it's, like, broad daylight, and then she, like, really quickly wraps it up and, like, runs off. And I'm just like, how was this enforced? What are we looking at? <laughs> um, but but we are getting the sense that, like, everybody's going home and nobody's going to be around. Um, and Dewey and Tatum and Sydney pull up to the police department because, like, Dewey has to run into the station and Sydney and Tatum are like, we're going to go buy Tostitos for this party. And it's the old Tostitos bag. Do you remember how cool it looked? I don't think so. I'll have to look it up. Ugh. We'll throw it up on our uh, Instagram when this releases. But it's like, I'm like, oh, I miss like how great packaging for snacks was in the 90s. It was like super colorful. 
just really, it looks like vintage and cool now because it's from 25 years ago. And also an era where we forgot, like we didn't, it was like, people were like, yeah, I think anything is a food. Like kids, I remember, like, it's like, I don't yes. think I ate a fruit or vegetable for years uh, that my parents didn't force you because everything was like gushers, squeezes. And now I yeah. think now, like, you can't give your kids trash 24-7, but in the 90s, it was. Yes, no you could. <laughs> Um, but so, that, you know, Dewey's at the station. They're kind of like buying a whole cart full of snacks to bring to Stu's party. They're in the freezer section and they kind of like throw some stuff in and, and they pull away. And we see in the reflection of the glass door for like the popsicles or whatever, the killer in the costume. And I'm like, <laughs> it is like broad daylight and a busy store. Like I just don't, it's like the one thing where I was like, this really doesn't work. Like I get mm-hmm. that you're showing that like they're getting stalked throughout everything, but like no one would have been like, hey, that's fine. Like especially yeah. the At whole least town be outside or something, right. you know, like hiding behind. Yeah. Like he had to walk in, the store. in and out of the store in that. Or put yeah. it on when he was in there, but then they would have also, seen like, who it is. Also, like, walked to his car. Like, it's like, yeah, but, exactly. Did he check out? Like, he's like, I'll just get this Diet Coke. <laughs> Maybe they should talk to the, the Jeepers Creepers monster and be like, did you have to wait forever at the DMV? <laughs> he calls an Uber and it's the Jeepers Creepers monster. He's like, he's like, oh, I recognize the plate because it showed up on my app. Um, but we're back at the station and Dewey's talking to Sheriff Burke. And uh, the sheriff Burke tells Dewey he tried he traced the calls to Sydney, and they came they allegedly came from her father Neil Prescott. And tomorrow is the anniversary of Marie, her mother, his wife's death. Um, so they're going to go house to house trying to find him very quietly. But he's like, "Do not let Sydney out of your sight all night." So it's night, and they're going to a huge party at somebody else's house. So <laughs> curfew be damned. The teens are going to have a night. So Dewey's Jeep is driving up this long, quiet road because everybody lives at the end of a long, quiet road Mm -hmm. with lots of trees. And it's just like, I can't imagine. I don't know. I live below and on top of two different people. So what am I talking about? Um, And then we see another van is kind of like parked behind them. And as Dewey's Jeep passes, it pulls out. And this is, you know, Gail and Kenny are chasing a story. They know what's up. They're like, we're going to follow the teens. The teens know what's going on. Um... I don't understand why Dewey brought Tatum and Sydney to a party. It seems it makes no sense. He would at least it, at least see him like yelling at them, or you know I mean like it makes more sense that they snuck out and then he finds out later. I agree, completely agree. Right? With that. Yeah, and I guess like his thing is like I'll bring you, and then I'm just gonna like hang out outside of this party the whole time. But it's like what? No, bro, just don't yeah, let them go. Be it. like, hey, yeah. somebody's murdering people, and you are probably next. Let's stay home. A hundred percent. But the party, they walk into the party, another big, beautiful house, um, beer bongs, bad dancing. It's just like, I just, it's everything. It's, it could be can't hardly wait if there wasn't a lot of blood mm-hmm. happening. So uh, Gail and her van pull up um, and she's outside the house um, and she goes to head into the party and runs into Dewey and like their chemistry is undeniable at this point, clearly off screen carried into on screen or on screen into off screen, whatever, however it happened, electric, um, and he's like, I'm going to check out the party. And she's like, can I join you? And he's like, oh, uh, sure, please. And she grabs from she grabs her coat. And under her coat, she puts kind of like a small video camera. for the. T- it's so funny that they were like, this is so tiny. It's like still the size of like <laughs> a loaf of bread. <laughs> um, so Tatum's all mad. He's like, why are you bringing this bitch to the party? Um, 
don't know why Gail hates Sydney. Like, that's a whole other thing that I can't understand. Well, it's like, it's not only are, like, it's like, worst, best case scenario, she's a child that you believe incorrectly got somebody convicted of a murder. Like, she's right. still 15 or whatever, you know? Yeah, she was also, like, her mom died. It's a whole thing. So... You know, they're in the party. Like, Gail places the camera in, like, the entertainment unit to kind of monitor the party so that Kenny can be watching everything that's happening. And Tatum, at the time, like, she's like, I'm going to go get more beers, goes out to the garage, opens the door, nipples first. I mean, it is like, Mm -hmm. I can't imagine what the prep for the scene was, what wardrobe had to talk about. Like, it is, she is entering that room, room, nipples nipples first. first. She follows four minutes behind. This was of an era in, I remember watching Friends, and everyone's nipples were constantly hard. And I I feel like they must have all had a conversation about it. Like, so it's the 90s. Everyone is going to be wearing a thin sweater, a a thin short sleeve turtleneck with our nipples completely exposed. Yeah. So she goes out into the garage, and like every suburban garage, it's like there's a, fridge out there where they're keeping more beer. And she, like, grabs a couple bottles and, like, a, you know, a cat knocks over some stuff. And she kind of turns around, you know, scared. And it's like, oh, there's a kitty in the garage. And it runs out its little little kitty door, like a dog door, in the garage. The larger, like, the mechanical garage door. Uh, but she tries to go back. As she's out there, the door to the house closes. And she goes back to open that door, and it's locked. And then all of a sudden, the lights go out. And she's like, okay. And she opens the garage door and it opens halfway and it stops and then it goes back down. And she turns around to look at whoever is at the door using the button and it's the killer in the costume. And she's like, cool costume. Like, don't let Sydney see it. Fuck face. Like, this is, <laughs> you know, all right, Randy. And so the killer takes a knife and like slices her forearm like very gently in a way where it's like, just kill her. And I, yeah. I don't know. But she backs away and kind of, like, falls into a chair. And, you know, he kind of, like, she's knocking stuff over. She, like, hits him with the freezer door. Um, and she makes a run for it by cr- and tries to open the garage door. And then he, like, shuts it again. And she's, like, fine. So she starts to crawl out the kitty garage door, the little, like, flap. And she's crawling through it. And, like, she's just getting through. And he turns on the garage door to start raising, which would mean that she's coming off the ground and in the most iconic death in the entire film, mm-hmm. I think even more so than Drew Barrymore's, uh, she is squished to death in the cat door as the garage door reaches the edge. Incredible. Goodbye, Tatum. We loved you. So it's 9 p.m. Everybody inside is leaving. Sydney's kind of looking around like, where's Tatum? Whatever. But Billy shows up and Stu's like, if you guys want to go up and have a talk in my parents' bedroom, like, go ahead. So they do that. And back in the news van, Kenny is watching the footage on Gail's camera. And she kind of comes to the door of the van, but he sees on the camera her leaving. And he's like, oh, we're on like a 30-second delay with this camera. Which is just good to know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But back upstairs, Sydney and Billy, they're sitting on the bed finally talking. And Sydney's just like apologizing for being so caught up with the loss of her mother to murder Sade-esque music starts playing and Billy starts stroking her face and it's very sexy and I'm like, can we see them have sex? Because they're both hot and they're both actually adults. So they start making out and, you know, Sydney's like, why can't I be in a Meg Ryan movie, you know, or even a good porno? And he's like, whoa, really? So they end up having sex. But downstairs, Randy and Stu and a bunch of other, like, nameless kids are watching Halloween, the movie. (laughs) Um, And, you know, we get the horror movie rules that Randy's like, there are certain rules you must abide by to survive a horror movie. You can never have sex, you can never drink or do drugs, and you can never say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be. Uh, So Stu goes to grab a beer and says, I'll be right back. (laughs) 
But we're watching this footage now on the delayed feed in Gail's news van. And suddenly there's a bang at the door. It's Dewey. He got a call that there's a car in the bushes down the road. Would Gail want to join him? And he's like, I think we should walk. It's a really lovely night. And it's like, okay, just take your car, but also don't leave this party and these teams. Be professional. You were a police officer. Yes. You are literally working right now around a murder. And you're like, do you want to take a walk with me to like a news lady? Come on. Oh, boy. Um, so people are leaving the party. People are going home. I'm guessing it's close to nine. Sydney and Billy are upstairs uh, just grinding the fuck out of each other. Um <laughs> And the phone rings at the party, and Randy answers it, and it's someone telling him that Principal Himbry is dead. They found him gutted and hanging from the goalposts of the football field. I wish which, I, I wish you'd seen that sequence. I know. I mean, I, I, that'd be fun. I wonder if they even considered shooting it, or if it, I don't know. It's like, do we need to yeah. see another body hanging? Um, but the kids are all like, let's go to the football field. This is crazy. And these kids are like, fucked up. I would not want to go there. But a whole bunch <laughs> of people leave. Um, and Randy's watching the footage and see, and uh, Kenny's watching the footage in the van and sees that Randy is now alone in the living room as like all these other kids get in their cars and go. So I have to ask you, Hallie, at this point in the movie, with everything you know about what happens, who will survive? Who will survive? Um, let's see. Well, we know Sydney has to survive. Yes. And this is, of course, the issue in every movie that spawns a um, successful franchise is that, well, you know, at least a star has to survive. Yes. Um, right. I we know think, who's in some of the future ones, so it's tough not to have some obvious answers here. Of Yeah. Um, you know, exactly. We're going to see some more of Gale Weathers. We're going to see some more of Dewey in the future. Right. Um, and I do like in the in the some some of the in one of the sequels. There's kind of a nice nod to the fact that his sister gets murdered in the first movie, and like obviously that yeah. affects him and and everything. But um, you know, I think unfortunately, I think this might be the last we see of Kenny the cameraman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what about um, Sydney's dad? Sydney's dad. You know, I, and that's another thing about this movie is so much about the what the events of the film are predicated on things that do not happen on screen. Like, it's, yes. I, I remember watching this being like, wait, what's happening with her mom? Yeah. Because we never meet the, and that was, we met, and we right. only meet the dad once. For like a second. So, yes, I believe, I, honestly, I believe he survives this movie, mm-hmm. and I can't, but I could not tell you for sure, but I believe he, he lives um, mm-hmm. to see another day. And, uh, you know, we have Billy and Stu, which I think we both know what happens to them, but we'll, we'll hold right. for, they are not. Uh, what about they Randy? are not making out of. They're either way. They're not making it out of the movie. Billy and Stu. No, they are not. What about Randy? Jamie Randy, Kennedy. because he knows the rules, is going to survive at least this this film. Yeah, in the screen franchise. Great, great predictions. Mm-hmm. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. 
saving money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards, we have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid Accents Lattice Panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. So Gail and Dewey are walking down this like long, unlit a dirt road and like all these teens are speeding by them and like they kind of knock Gail and Dewey like into a little like ravine on the side. They land like on top of each other and they kiss and he says, I'm sorry, I'm on duty. And it's like, well, why were you on this walking date? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Gail laughs and kind of turns her head and she sees a car and it's Sydney's father's car. And she's like, is this what we were looking for? Um, so he's like, oh, shit, we got to get back to that party now. And they kind of run off. Uh, Sydney and Billy have now had sex. They're getting dressed. I can't imagine it was good if it was her first time. Um, and probably his, no. you know, not many. But um, but she asked Billy, she's like, hey, who'd you call when you got arrested? Um, and he said he called his dad. And she's like, but Sheriff Burke called your dad. And Billy says, well, he called. He didn't get an answer. And she's like, oh. Um, and Billy can tell that she— that she's doubting him, but he kind of, like, keeps it moving. Um, And he says, you still believe it was me that attacked you that night? And she's like, no, 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 but it would be a really good way to throw me off track, right? I mean, you used your one phone call, so I wouldn't think it was you. I mean, it's just funny. I I think it's funny, you know? It's a funny thing to think about. (laughs) I'm laughing, you Um, know? Hilarious, Sid. (laughs) He's like, what do I have to do to convince you? And as they're having this kind of moment, the killer comes into the bedroom and, you know, Billy turns around and he stabs Billy in the stomach. Um, and he turns back to Sydney. He's, he's covered in blood, you know, gasping and, like, falls onto the bed. And the killer does the uh, very memorable, wipes the blood off the knife. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sydney just, like, makes a run for it and she escapes. And the blueprint of this house is confusing to me. There's a lot, it feels like it's one large circle with a lot of doors in between. Uh, but she's kind of running around the second floor and he's kind of chasing her and she's locking doors and opening doors and she sees him and she finally like gets herself into a room uh, up top and climbs out of like a dormer window and she's screaming for help but obviously like no one's around. And the killer grabs her and it's like, all right, either this guy's gonna like stab me and pull me in or I'm just gonna throw myself off this house, which she does. She lands on a covered boat in the driveway, and it's like you would still be super hurt You'd if you break fell. your legs or your. You mean like you minimum. would be much more injured? You live, but you'd almost be, be better off landing on, you know, the driveway than landing on. Like it's like there are <laughs> seats and things. Like you could like really just oh, break your back in half. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. It's, yeah, I know. It's like hard to think about. Uh, but she's Ugh. fine. Um, and she looks back up to the window. The killer's gone, and she kind of pans down. And looks at the garage, and she sees her best friend Tatum, nearly decapitated, uh, trapped in a kitty door and in a closed garage, an open garage door. Back in the living room, Randy is wasted watching scary movies by himself, and he's so drunk uh, and he's so into Halloween that he's yelling at the TV, not realizing the killer in real life is actually coming up behind him from the kitchen into the living room. Uh, not even sneaking, just walking, because he's like, this guy is not going to notice what's going on. Meanwhile, Randy's screaming at the TV, and he's like, look behind you, look behind you. And it's like, bitch, you do it. (laughs) Um, The killer's holding a knife over Randy when he suddenly gets distracted because he heard Sydney screaming outside. Um, 
and kind of like runs out of the room. So Randy saved for now. Um, Sydney's running through this yard, limping. She like breaks a fence. She finds Gail's van and Kenny lets her in. And they're watching Randy in the living room almost get murdered. And they're screaming, you know, he's screaming behind you and they're screaming behind you to him (laughs) 30 seconds too late. Um, And then Kenny's like, oh shit, this is on a delay. And they turn and they see the front door of the house is open. The killer is already at the van. Kenny has opened the door. They, he slashes Kenny's throat right in front of Sydney while she's behind him, still inside of the van. Uh, Kenny's dead. Bye-bye, Kenny. Um, she kind of slams the... He stabs her, like, the killer stabs her a little bit, but she slams the van door and, like, kind of crawls out the back and, like, through a bunch of equipment and then, like, gets out. And then the killer follows her that way, and it's like... <laughs> Get out of the van. Why are you, whatever, these people are idiots, but they're teens. Um, So she escapes and kind of runs towards this old barn. Uh, Gail and Dewey make it back to the house, uh, and Dewey hears all these screams, so he goes inside, but it's just Halloween playing on TV. Um, So Gail runs outside to the van, and she's like, I got to find my phone. Like, we got to call this in. And she sees she's standing in a pool of blood. um, And she's like, oh, God, no. And she just, like, gets in the van, um, just as Randy runs up and, like, bangs on the window. And he's like, let me in. Like, we need help. So everybody's aware, like, the killer is among them. He is making kills. Uh, she tur- He gets in the van. She's in the driver's seat, turns on the lights, and there's something on the windshield. And she, like, uses the wipers and the light, and she sees that it's just streams of blood uh, oh, coming down the windshield like it's rain. Uh, and she panics and throws the van into reverse. Kenny's body flies forward. Uh, he's somehow been put on the roof of the van. And I'm like, Kenny canonically is, um like, heavy. And I'm like, why would the killers, like, take all the energy to, like, get him up high? It just doesn't—even if he wasn't, yeah. it still doesn't make any sense. Um, so she, you know, drives in a donut, flings the body off the van, um, almost mows down Sydney in the process, who's, like, standing in the street screaming, covered in blood. And so she, you know, Gail tries to avoid Sydney so she doesn't kill her and ends up, like, the van goes off course and, like, down into a ravine and, like, crashes into a tree. And it's like, how do you survive this? <laughs> um, but Sydney runs back to the house searching for Dewey. He comes to the door weakly and is like, Sid! And we reveal that he has a knife stabbed in his back and he kind of falls to the ground of the porch. The killer is right behind him, wipes off the knife, super hygienic, <laughs> and starts making his way towards Sydney. Um, she gets back in Dewey's police jeep and locks the doors to the killer, you know, before the killer can reach her. Um, but she tries to start it, and she doesn't have the keys. And the killer taps on the window <laughs> and holds up the keys. And he's like, looking for these, you know? Did you want them? And, but she's locked all the doors. So she's trapped in the car but can't drive it. The killer disappears, um, just kind of, like, goes down. Um, and these the non-power locks, like old car locks, which were not just start, like, opening on one side, and then she runs over and, like, shuts it. And then, like, the other, the driver's side unlocks, and then she has to shut that. And she finally gets on the dispatcher, and she's like, I'm, you know, at this address. Like, the killer's here. It's Sydney Prescott. It's Dewey's van, or, you know, Jeep or whatever. And while she's doing that, she doesn't realize that the hatchback of the Jeep has opened, and the killer oh, no. is getting into the car. This sequence is, like, nonstop. Like, it's just moving so fast. Yeah. And I'm like, it's whatever you think fun is. <laughs> As somebody who likes horror movies. Hell yeah. This is where you'd be like, it's fun. It's We're having fun now. Yeah. It is fun. Um, so Sydney, you know, gets out of the van, runs into the, like, slams the door, runs in the house. Um, 
And from upstairs, Billy comes down and he is covered in blood um, and just like falls down the stairs. So he has survived the stabbing in the bedroom, but barely. Um, She helps him up and he opens the door and lets Randy in. Stu is in there. He's flipped. Like, Stu has gone crazy. Everybody's like, everybody's a suspect. Um, And Billy looks up, seemingly unharmed now, and kind of like those long, long strands of hair casting these like super scary shadows in his eyes. And he says, we all go a little mad sometimes. And then fires a gun at Randy. Um, And then Billy says, Anthony Perkins, psycho. And it's like, ugh, we're going to just be like naming (laughs) horror movie things for the rest of this probably. So he licks his finger, you know, Sydney's there, and she's like, wait, what the fuck is happening? I saw you get stabbed. And he licks his finger, he's like, corn syrup, same stuff they used for pig's blood and carry. Um, and now I'm worried that you, Hallie, are going to end up a murderer because you just know all of this information as well. I mean, that is what the Scream franchise suggests, is that, well, if you know about or like horror movies too much, well, you're going to be compelled to c- commit a murder. I mean, I yeah. don't have the energy ruined- and I don't have the time, Allison. I'll be absolutely I mean, honest. Who, I've got so many things could- on, my, on my to-do list. Adding you a got murder, a lot on your plate. Planning an elaborate t- a series of murders. I don't have it in me. So Billy clearly has lost it and is definitely a murderer. And Sydney, mm-hmm. you know, is like, ah, shit. And she kind of like runs into Stu's arms and Stu holds up the voice modulator. And he's like, surprise, Sydney, in that like voice. And it's like, <laughs> oh, these two have been working together. Like, of course. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. The, kill- the killer was always everywhere. And it's like, of course it's two yes. people. So Sydney's in the kitchen, and she's kind of, like, trapped between the two of them. Like, Billy has a gun. He hands it to Stu. Stu hands him the knife. Um, and they're like, we're going to play a little game where we're going to ask you a question, and if you get it wrong, you die. And if you get it right, you die. There are no rules. <laughs> uh, so Stu and Billy, it's, like, very, like, homoerotic almost. Like, they're just, yes, like— Yes, they always have this, like, intense— Yeah, it's not just a friendship. Like, their connection feels so— yeah. Erotic. I, it really does. I guess, like, they both, the bloodlust that they both have is yes. kind of, like, spilled over into their, like, relationship with each other. It's so, it's very strange, and it's super scary. Um, yeah. Not that homoeroticism is scary, but, like, the, these two What's, covered in blood with all these weapons and their, like, psychotic plan. Um, and there is something scary, we've talked about this with other movies, or scary, and this happens in real life, where... It's one thing to be like, oh, someone is, one person is is evil or maniacal enough to commit murder. Mm-hmm. But then for that person to find somebody else who helps them and is on board, yes. there is something about that relationship where it's so it, 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 incomprehensible to anyone who's not in it. That yes. is very, uh, very chilling. It's very chilling. So the two of them are kind of like doing all this together. Uh, and Billy says, tell it to Cotton Weary. He was easy to frame. And Stu's like, watch a few movies, take a few notes. It was fun. And she's like, why did you kill my mother? Like what? And um, Billy says, it seems a lot scarier when there's no motive. And I agree. That is a lot scarier. But Billy mm. does have a motive. And he said he was doing her mother a favor by killing her. She was flashing flashing her shit all over town like she was Sharon Stone. And it's like, what is Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson's obsession with Sharon Stone? She's come up multiple times in this film. Again, the 90s. She had the a 90s. Throat, I mean, you know? she was really, she was it. Uh, so we learned that Sydney's mother slept with Billy's father, which is what led to Billy's mother leaving their family, and she abandoned them. And he blames Sydney's mother for all of this. The but, ultimate slut-shaming. 
it really, and Sydney herself has slept with Billy. She is now no longer a virgin. So she is mm-hmm. going to die. And it is now after midnight, therefore the anniversary of her mother's death. And Stu goes into the other room and pulls out a tied up duct tape uh, mouth shut Neil Prescott, Sydney's father. He's like, they cloned his cell phone, kidnapped him, put the voice modulator in his pocket, and they're going to have a neat little plan to say the anniversary of his wife's death made him snap. He went on a killing spree, kills everyone, including Sydney, leaves Billy and Stu nearly for dead, and then shoots himself in the head with a perfect ending. So Billy goes to stab Stu because they were like, we can't have zero injuries. We need to be a little bit hurt. So Billy stabs him pretty deep hands the knife back to Stu. It's Stu's turn. He stabs him pretty deep. And they're starting, now they're like, it's all unraveling. They're starting to fight. They're like, well, now we're like, we're both angry and all fucked up. And like, we're hurting each other more than I think we were planning on. Um, And Billy says, Now, Sid, don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. Love it. He's very scary in this movie. And I am very attracted to Skeet Ulrich. And it's really complicated. (laughs) Um, so Billy stays with Sydney while Stu goes to f- get the gun to finish the plan, but the gun is gone. It is not on the counter where Stu had left it. And he's like, where the fuck is it? And turn around, Gail Weathers standing with the gun right here, asshole. A hero. I, I love mm-hmm. corny cops. Um, she has the gun pointed at Billy and Stu. Everyone thought she was dead in the van crash, but it turns out she came to, stumbled back to the house, and came across you two little dipshits and is going <laughs> to kill them. Um, and Sydney's like, I like that ending. And it's just like, I, let's see these two team up. Um, yeah. So Billy says, well, I know something you don't, Gail. And Gail tries to fire and nothing comes out. And Billy, like, pushes her down. And she falls kind of on top of Dewey's still body. Safety was on the gun. Uh, he's like, you got to take the safety off. So he backs out to go, sh- uh, to go shoot them both. But Stu looks back and sees Sydney's not in the kitchen anymore. The phone rings in the kitchen and Billy picks up and Sydney has now taken the voice modulator and says, we're going to play a little game in the same like monotone that they had used. Um, Stu is bleeding out from the stab that Billy had given him. Billy leaves him with the phone. He's like going to go find Sydney. Stu uh, on the phone asks Sydney if she really called the police and she's like, yes. And he goes, my mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. And it's like, wait, (laughs) these are fucking teenagers. Like they can get in trouble from their parents. Uh, for murdering all of their friends and several yeah, adults. Yeah, I imagine. Billy hears a noise in a closet and turns back, points the gun at the closet, but uh, as the scene, Halloween is still playing in the background. Um, but just then, somebody in the killer costume breaks through the closet door and stabs Billy with an umbrella. It's Sydney. Stupor's out of the kitchen, bloody. He's a goddamn mess. Sees her, tries to tackle her and hold her down. And he's like, I always had a thing for you, Sid. And I'm like, can we not have all of the complicated sexual feelings for all of these people? But she bites his hand and then knocks the TV on his head. His head is crushed. He's probably electrocuted. Goodbye, Matthew Lillard. You were a really great <laughs> villain. Sydney walks back in the hall, Billy's body, and sees Billy's body that she has stabbed. Randy shows up, who has somehow survived. Um, <laughs> And then Billy, you know, there's a, one more, Billy kind of comes back to life one more time, scuffles, and like Sydney knocks him out and she's ready to kill him for good this time. Um, and he, he tries to strangle her. And then Sydney sticks her finger in the wound on his chest Ugh. that he had from like when Stu stabbed him. And he's, it is, it is gross. It is, it's, you, there's a sound. Um, <laughs> And, you know, he stands up in pain, like, screaming. So, like, Sydney is free. And just then, Gail Weathers just shoots him in the chest. 
And she's like, safety was off that time, asshole. (laughs) So she was alive. Randy is alive. Everyone is covered in blood. And Sydney kind of kicks Billy to make sure he's dead. And Randy says, this is the time the killer always comes back to life. (laughs) Just then, Billy screams and Sydney shoots him in the head. Um, Sydney's father bursts out of the closet. And Sydney, Gail, Randy, Dewey, and Sid's father have all survived this nightmare. And the film closes with Gail Weathers' bloody... Sooty, you know, she's like been in a car accident. She's been on the ground. She's been almost stabbed. Goes on air live to report what she had just witnessed and everything she had survived. And we pan up and zoom out into the beautiful, I believe, North Carolina, yes, uh, definitely Rolling Carolina. Hills, um, as we hear Gail's uh, newscast and fade out. Gorgeous. The end. Love it. Scream. Absolutely love it. Hallie, I gotta ask. Fatal mistakes. Name a few. Fatal mistakes. Well, you know, um, upon rehearing it, I think the, the biggest fatal mistake is if you are a police officer and your sister and her friend, who you know is being targeted by a vengeful, sadistic yes. murderer, mm-hmm. are, if, you, if you're going to take them to a party, you cannot then take a... A romantic midnight stroll with mm-hmm. an attractive lady reporter. Yes. Like it, uh, this, if he had been outside, I'm not saying people would have been stabbed. They probably would have been, but there would have been the body count would have been a lot lower, and there'd be less mayhem because he wouldn't have had to scramble back. And yes. if he'd come back at a different time, who knows whether Ghostface would have been able to stab him when he did? You know, like it was a huge mistake, and I understand yes. it was the, with his. You know, he was he was. Not focused on, he didn't have his eyes on the prize. He had his eyes on Gail Weathers and don't we all. But to me, that is the number one mistake made in this movie. I agree. I think that that was a huge, huge mistake um, that resulted in many people dying that could have been avoided. (laughs) I also think Uh, maybe people could have tried to get out of town. Um, If I were Sydney, I'd maybe just like leave Woodsboro (laughs) Well, once things really started escalating. And so, uh, what we wanted to reveal now at this point in the movie is that this is going to this episode is kicking off our month of screams because there are yes. now five scream movies, and we February is twenty seventh. We're going to have a live show where we're doing the new scream, Scream Five, which is of course just called Scream. Uh, absolutely live confusing. Show. And initially, it was going to be called Scream with the uh, the S being a five, but then everyone yes. was like. Well, the movie's name is Five Cream, which actually I think is totally fine, but it's called Five Cream. Cream. We are going to be giving you um, a month of screams culminating in our live show. It'll be Sunday, uh, February 27th. Of course, you'll be able to watch it at Mm momenthouse.com slash ruined. And we're really excited to do this. It's our, we have never done a full franchise before, one right after the other. And I think it's going to be really fun because, uh, to your point, Allison, uh, I, I got bad news. Sydney does try to leave. And yet yes, she's and still it doesn't continually really well. drawn back to mm-hmm. Woodsboro and mm-hmm. to the tragedy of her of her youth, you know, at this point. Uh, and we're very excited to give this to you guys. Yeah. I can't wait to see what, you know, Sydney and Gail and Dewey and Cotton Weary uh, and everything all, where they all end up. And then culminating with like, is, is Scream 5 like decidedly going to be the last one? I, you know, I watch it and I really hope not. Like, because I, I watch okay, it and I'm like, that's I can watch another one of these in six months. Okay. Like, I, I, I think every time they, you reach a four or a five, it's mm-hmm. shot with the idea like, okay, if, if we don't do another one, this is, 
this is a fitting end to the franchise. Yes. I bet they'll do another one. I really think they will. Oh, I And I'll be so. there. I'll be, I'll, my ass will be in the seat, you know. Yes. So enjoy Scream Month and uh, the first of uh, a small handful of reverse ruins that we will be doing as we cover the movies that I've seen um, over time. But for now, it's going to be all all Scream, all February, and get tickets to our live show. It's same deal as always. There's going to be merch. There's going to be a chat. Uh, we're going to do a drink. It'll be a whole good time. So get those tickets, and uh, we'll see you then. And I guess... Um, Hallie, where would you place the original Scream on the spooky scale? A spooky scale. Man, this is so hard because, like you said, the intro is phenomenal. There's some oh, some various very spooky moments, but what's so fun about Scream, both the first and the franchise in general, is it's so meta and funny and, mm-hmm. like, winky, which does cut down the, the um, horror, to me, the scariness of it. So I'm going to give it a four. Excellent intro, opening uh, sequence, incredibly scary. I, I, you know, the gore, I think, has has its moments. But overall, for me, this is like slipping in a warm mm-hmm. bath full of blood. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so familiar and so fun. Not so much scary. What about you, Allison? I think, I think, I mean, I watched it, and I feel like I don't watch any of the others, and they're all good. So, like, I think that this is, like, solidly a five, like, Again, the opening, some of these moments, very scary. But the rest of it is so fun. And I did watch this at night, and I've you know, <laughs> lived to tell. So so I think it's not not as high as some of the other things we've talked about. So I'll, I'll give it a five. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and speaking of five, you could give us five stars on uh, the podcast reviews, Apple Podcasts. We always love a five-star review. And if you write a little spooky review along with your rating, uh, we will read the funny ones on the pod. Um, and in addition, just get your tickets for the live show, February 27th, uh, momenthouse.com slash ruined. And uh, other than that, I think we only have one request. Please. If you don't mind. Keep it spooky. spooky. Thanks, guys. Bye. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder, recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.